With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 21 of Talk is Chief, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. Three weeks of the preseason in the books. We are getting closer and closer now to the start of the regular season, September 13th. The Giants and the Cowboys down in Dallas. We just watched the Giants and Jets in the Snoopy Bowl. Another loss for the Giants. A lot of concerns and a lot to talk about here this week. With me, as always, we have James, we have Jordan, I'm Joe, and we're going to take you through... All we have to talk about here, Jordan, James, how are you guys? I mean, this is, this is, was supposed to be at least, you know, the third game, the dress rehearsal for the regular season, and it did not go again the way the Giants wanted. Uh, Jordan, we'll get into our, our thoughts on, on the game here today. James, same way, we're going to do a panic or relax type of theme today. Is I think that's, that's really where Giants fans are right now. So we'll talk about panicking and relaxing about this team. We're going to catch up at Ross Tucker who does a great job covering the NFL, former offensive lineman in the league. Uh, so he'll join us in a little while as well. Uh, before we get into our, our panic relax, your just takeaways, number one from the game. Jordan, your first, your initial thoughts when that game ended, uh, Giants-Jets on Saturday night. They need a lot of work, especially defensively. That defense, long way off in my, in my mind from being a good, successful unit. No Robert Ayers. He was injured in pregame warm-ups. You really you can't make this stuff up. I mean, come on. Pre-game warm-ups with this team, with their, with their injuries that are going on this year and the past couple of years, and they lost their defensive end and maybe their best defensive lineman to a, a pregame injury. I mean, defense definitely has me worried. And I'll be Mr. Panic today, Joe. And it's not all – and most of it justified. You know, I can hear it in your voice. I can hear the panic in Jordan's voice. James, your initial thoughts, that game ended 28-18, uh, Jets on Saturday night. Initial thought was the offense with that long touchdown drive, they at least have something to sort of hang their hat on. But the defense, it just was not good. I mean, yes, they had that first stop, the first stop of the summer for the first-team defense. But then Ryan Fitzpatrick looked like Aaron Rodgers out there against them. So – yeah, let's just throw this. Let's just throw this. Let's just put the numbers on it. You know, first team defense, ten series against Andy Dalton, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Blake Bortles. Okay, ten drives, seven scores they've allowed. It's a startling number. I mean, it is. I mean, it's a number that should make I think any Giant fan out there panic. So let's get into our panic and our, our relax here. Jordan is going to be our panic guy. He's going to tell you why it's okay to Joe panic. 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 That's right, Joe Panic, and then you're going to have... I'll be Joe Panic. Panic James, City. James is going to be our relaxed guy. He's going to tell you why, you know what, a couple weeks before this regular season starts, 
relax. It's not going to be as bad as it seems. All right, let's start with Mr. Copacetic. Let's start with the conversation you guys brought up here, and that would be defense. So I'll throw this out. Panic or relax on the Giants simply not having enough talent on the defensive side of the ball. Jordan, why should we panic about the overall talent level on defense? Panic. They're adding Stevie Brown, and the question is raised to me, you know, Stevie Brown, is he going to be starting at safety week one? The fact that I cannot rule that out 13 days before the season, that indicates there is not enough talent in that secondary in the back end. Uh, you look at mid linebacker, middle linebacker, John Beeson's injured. Where's the talent around him? Defensive ends, there's some players. Are there guys that can start and be successful players? There's some questions about the talent all over that defense, all three levels of that defense. I, I just I have trouble thinking, looking at that defense. First of all, who's the difference maker on that defense? I mean, you, you, what, you, Devin Kennard, Devon Kennard is the guy you might, that some people might come up with. If that's the guy... That's your difference maker on defense, considering what he's done to this point of his career. Which, I mean, he had a decent rookie year, but we're still, you know, we need to see it. And they got to make you worried about how much talent is there on that defense, how much difference-making talent is there on that defense. James, let's hear a little rebuttal here. Why do, Why should Giants fans listening right now, who probably right now are just so upset after listening to this, is a, tough, for a couple this is a tough, this is a tough spin, James. James, I was going to say, I am contractually obligated to give the relaxed side. That's right. I mean, your paycheck's not going to be in the mail this week unless you tell us why (laughs) there's maybe a little bit more talent here than maybe we're giving the Giants credit for on the defensive side of the ball. Okay. Well, we'll start with the defensive secondary. Look, I think one of the things people really don't talk about is that the Giants' quarterback depth isn't great, but they have two pretty good starting cornerbacks. Amukamara and DRC, that's, that's a pretty good tandem. Um, and with Stevie Brown, look, it, it's a long way and there are a lot of injuries, but if him and Collins are indeed the starters on, on September 13th, the Giants have what they believe are two relatively NFL-quality starting safeties. Um, defensive line, obviously no pass rush against the Jets on Saturday night, but Robert Ayers was out with that freaky pregame injury. He's, I think, has been one of the better defensive linemen this summer, so if he's back in there, that probably makes an impact. And then at linebacker, JT Thomas and Devin Kennard have had good summers. They're promising. Jameel McLean played well in place of John Beeson. You think John Beeson should be back relatively soon. So that's why you should be relaxed. All right, so let's go now to the offensive side of the football, guys, and talk about, you know, the part of this team coming into the summer, we all can agree that was supposed to be the strength of the Giants was and is the passing game. And so far here, through three preseason games, it just you know really hasn't gotten going. I mean, Eli Manning didn't really do much on the, you know, the game against the Jets. They haven't really done much the entire preseason here. I know they've been a little banged up. The whole group hasn't been in there. But you know the strength of this team has not gotten going here. Jordan, tell us why that's a reason. Maybe we should be panicking a little bit. Well, because you look around and you've got no Victor Cruz on the field. So that was a big thing. They wanted to get him back. And it's not even the knee now. Now we're talking about a calf injury. Uh, we're 13 days before the start of the season at taping of this podcast, and he hasn't done any running now in two weeks. Now, he wanted to get out there to test his knee before, you know, in a preseason game before, you know, get it, you know before the regular season came around, and that's not going to happen now. And then you look at it from the side of, okay, now he's got the calf to worry about. The, look, we saw what happened that Burhey with his calf injury. These are things that can linger. You know, Victor Cruz part of it is, you know, that's 
they need him back in some shape or form to be that secondary target. Ruben Randall also struggling with a knee injury most of the summer. His explosiveness was never his strength. If he loses even a little of that, how good of a receiver really is he? So where are the weapons around Odell Beckham? Look, Beckham, he's fine. This guy's explosive. He was five yards behind Darrell Revis. Should have been a 70-yard touchdown the other day. Everyone would be raving about how unbelievable he is, and they should be anyway because uh, uh, we've seen that this summer. But behind him, the targets are a little underwhelming if there's no Victor Cruz out there. So to me, I think that's a big reason why this offense just really hasn't gotten clicking yet. Plus, we look at the offensive line. We know what they are. They're going to struggle in pass blocking specifically this year. Uh, pretty much all the way around the line, I don't think you look at any one spot and say they're, they've got a Pro Bowl you know, player at that spot. They're set. We have nothing to worry about there. So all along the line, there's concerns, which uh, obviously spills into the running game and the passing game. And the targets outside of Odell Beckham, got to be a, a little worried about that right now. Yeah, and you mentioned there they just haven't gotten going, and you know if Beckham made that play, would have been a big play, and maybe we've been having a different conversation here. But that play didn't happen. And, and James, you look at it, the long for Eli Manning passing on Saturday night against the Jets was only 19 yards. I mean, Tom Coughlin talked about it after the game. Yeah, he's an old school guy that likes to throw the football down the field. Eli's always been good at that. So far, it really hasn't happened here in this preseason. James, tell us why it's, it's let's stop panicking. Why should we relax on this passing game with this offense? Well, as Jordan said, this team employs Odell Beckham Jr., who he, he might be the best receiver in football. He might be the best offensive threat in football. Um, so as long as you got him, you, you got a chance. Um, and then, you know, the offensive line, we said, you know, they've played better the past few weeks. Haven't played great, but there's been improvement. And, you know, if Eli can get rid of the ball quick, I think they have a good chance of holding up. And, and the Giants have guys, you know, Beckham, Victor Cruz once he's back, if, if he can be back. And since we're relaxing here, we're going to believe Victor and say he'll be there for week one. Uh, and, you know, and obviously Shane Vereen out of the backfield. So I think that – and that would open up the downfield pass with Beckham, with Randall, with Cruz potentially. So it, that's why I would say you can relax at this point. How about the running game? The opposite you didn't calm me ball. down, James. You didn't calm me down. Well, right? no, listen, I, I, I haven't calmed myself down. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And James is just doing his job here. He's here. Good he's soldier. Good soldier, job. James. <laughs> All right. How about the other side of it? How about the running game? Jordan, why should we be panicking here? Uh, you know, you look at the numbers, 2.6 yards a carry. I know the Jets have a good front, but you look at the box score. When Ryan Nassib is your leading rusher, it doesn't leave you uh, with a positive spin on the running game in what's supposed to be the dress rehearsal here. How do you feel about this running game? And, and you know, why should we panic here going into this season? Well, because they weren't very good at it last year either. I mean, they were. They, they, I know the line is different, but that's another reason to be a little worried about it. There's new guys all over this line, and, and uh, you know, the Giants are going to be a passing team first. I mean, I don't know or if that's what they want, but that's what they're going to be. I mean, that's where their strength is. That's what the offense dictates. I'm not sure if that's essentially what Tom Coughlin wants. He would probably like to do it the other, other way around. But in my mind, it's going to be – passing to open up the running game, and then you might have some success there. But in general, there's an offensive line, again, that's uh, un it's unsettled at this point, and there's some question marks on there. There's not an explosive running back, I don't think, not not a sort of uh, a real home run hitter of the, of the group. So there's not going to be any huge plays from that group, I don't think, at least in the running game. So there's reason to be concerned. They just they didn't run the ball well last year. 
They haven't done it well in the preseason. I don't know why you would assume that they're going to be able to just turn it on right away here in the regular season at the beginning of the regular season, especially if they don't have a huge passing game early on. James, we were you know, talking before this preseason began, before camp began, about the Giants maybe not having one great back, but three good backs, three different kind of backs that could all complement each other. Uh, we haven't seen that come to fruition yet here in the preseason. Why should we relax on this running game, this offensive line, and this group of backs? Well, listen, if you can throw the ball successfully, I, you know, I think a lot of times you have to sit there and think, okay, what does this running game need to do for in order for a team to do what it does best, which in the Giants' case is obviously throw the ball. If they get 20 carries for 80 yards out of those three backs each game, that might be enough to open up the passing game. You know, so maybe they won't have a guy who hits home runs or they won't have a guy who rushes for 150 yards every game. But if they can just get something out of the running game, that could open up the passing game and allow them to do what they do best. You know, After the game, uh, James and Jordan here, after the game on Saturday night, Tom Coughlin talked about the fact that the Giants have a ways to go here. We're recording this podcast on a Monday. Uh, September 13th is right around the corner. Less than two weeks away, the Giants will be in Dallas for Sinai football. Jordan, tell us why it is time to panic on that, Tom Coughlin, a ways to go. I mean, what in 13 days is really going to change here? There's one preseason game to go. They're not going to play many players or you know play many snaps in that game, the guys that matter anyway. Yeah, they'll play. They'll play, but they, like, won't, they won't play a ton. Right, so 13 days is a very small number to me to get this thing together before the games actually start counting. Why should we panic on that quote from Coughlin? They have a ways to go. There's not much time left. Well, there's, you know, you pretty much made that case for me. There's not a, time, not a lot of time left. There's a lot of important players that are injured that aren't that close to returning. I mean, you look at John Beeson, Victor Cruz, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, Robert Ayers. These are all guys that are not going to practice entering preseason game number four leading up to it. So they're on the clock of whether they're going to be back. And you know what? Look, we saw this last year um, when they were installing a new system. I'm going to go back to the defense for a little bit in specific on this one. But we saw last year on the, you know, the offensive side, they were installing a new system. They were a mess all summer. They just weren't at the point yet where you knew that it was going to be a disaster the first couple of weeks. And it was against the Lions and the Cardinals. They offensively couldn't do anything those first two weeks. Uh, and defensively, you look at it this year, they play the Cowboys and they play the Falcons. Week one and two, two good quarterbacks, two good passing attacks, two great receivers. You won, You have to think – they're going to be in for a little, a little trouble early in these first two weeks for sure with that defense. In 13 days, I just don't see them being able to turn it around and all of a sudden start to look like they're on the same page and to look like a significantly better group than they have all summer long. So to me, that's the reason why, they're, why, why there is more than enough reason to panic on this defense. James, is 13 days enough? Should we relax a little bit here that maybe the coaching staff and this, these players will get this thing together before that opener in Dallas? Of course, definitely. Um, <laughs> you know, well, I'll say this. I'm sure it's going to be said a lot of times. Remember, 07, Spagnuolo's first year, the first stint, they got blown out in Dallas and they won the Super Bowl. Um, just had to throw that out there for the relaxed crowd. Um, no, listen. Everybody keeps on saying it's the preseason. It hasn't looked very good, but if they can put a good effort forth on Thursday night in New England, then th they should feel good. You know, Colin Jenkins said earlier today, 
they just they have to find confidence and and get it done. And if they can start to find that confidence this week, then yes, maybe they can turn around by September 13th. So they did something terrible before, and you cross your fingers and hope they could turn it around again. Gotcha, James. We were... Yeah, no, hey, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm trying here. <laughs> James diving into his bag of tricks here. Hey, I mean, I guess I mean, that's, that's, what you, that's what you're working with here, you know? <laughs> yeah, plus, they get to play the Redskins in week three, so they, they at least got that, you know, fail-safe potential. Yeah, that's a, I that's can buy, a I can buy that right one, there. I'm, I'm, buying, I'm buying that one. There you go. You, you sold me on that one. You swung me. That, there's, there's a certain reason for optimism. That might be the best argument either of you have made the entire podcast. The fact that Redskins. Yeah, James, that one really you, is inarguable. Yeah, you know, it that, is. That's, a, that's like a that's like an automatic winner right now at home on a Thursday night on a short week. Redskins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, against the most dysfunctional team in the NFL. That's a good one, James. You hit a home run with that. All right, a couple more, <laughs> and then we'll bring a, bar, a bring a. You got to win once in a while, James. You got to win one. You know? I know. <laughs> all right, guys, a couple more of panic or relax, then we'll bring about Ross Tucker to talk all things Giants, to get his thoughts here uh, on this team as we get closer to the regular season. Especially that offensive line. Yes, I can't wait to hear what he has to say uh, about a group I'm sure he's watched closely and he knows, uh, he knows a lot about. All right, a couple more, then we'll get to Ross here. We'll go to James and why we have to, uh, to relax here. We'll start this way. We'll go to James to relax, then we'll get the other side, uh, Jordan, to panic. So, James, when it comes to the Giants right now, why should we be relaxed? Because, I mean, I'm looking at the NFC East right now, and I'm looking, you know, we know the Cowboys coming in off of last year. They're the team to beat because they won the division last year, bringing back a playoff team. And then you're watching the Eagles so far in the preseason just running, you know, wild on everybody. Bradford's healthy, as you know, for right now, and the Eagles look really, really good. So it looks like there could be two really good teams in this division. You know, why should we not panic over that, James? Why should, the, you know, are the Giants capable of at least competing with two teams that look like, you know, they could be really good? Um, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> well, you're making me stress. You and you can't Listen. use the Redskins here because they, they get to play that team twice, too. Yeah, you get to play them twice, too. Look, um, you know, Sam Bradford, obviously, look, he looked spectacular on Saturday night. But the guy has played, I think, 18 snaps in the preseason so far. Um, so, you know, it, it's one thing. I mean, look, look at the meltdown we had when he got hit by Terrell Suggs. You know, that that type of hit, whether you think it's clean or not, that's going to happen five, six times a game in two weeks. Uh, so, you know, obviously I think there's a lot of questions there w with them. And, you know, obviously DeMarco Murray, you know, as you know, we see on NJ.com, he's at practice like every other day now. It seems so. That's why the Eagles. I mean, I think the Eagles have a lot of excitement, but they're also are going to have some question marks. And for the Cowboys, you know, they're the Cowboys. You know, I I think it's going to be interesting to see how they do without us. You know, we talked about the Giants having sort of running back come at by committee. The Cowboys are the same thing, and um, you know how they handle their success and being the favorite or one of the favorites in the East. So yeah, I, I'll help I you for a second here too, James. Their defense it stinks. Yes. Cowboys and they have injuries stinks. as well. So it wasn't good yeah. before then either. So they don't have a ton of talent defensively. Yeah, I mean, they really it's, don't. It's August thirty first. The, the Giants should feel they can beat those teams. If they didn't feel they then why are they even gonna play the games? Yeah, Hold on, let me let me get side. back in, let me get back into panic mode here. Right, I was gonna say, I'm Jordan, ready, let's, let's see the other side. <laughs> uh, you know, the Philadelphia here's the reason to panic, ready? The Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys. Top to bottom are more talented teams than the Giants. It's really that simple. 
top to bottom, roster composition, those are better all-around teams than the New York Giants. Uh, so that has to have you concerned. I mean, the Eagles – I know the Eagles made wholesale changes, but that is a very talented roster that they have. And if Sam Bradford can stay upright – I know he's made a tinfoil, but if he can stay upright, that team is going to be very, very good. I mean, Chip Kelly is a very good X's and O's tactical coach. The Dallas Cowboys still have that offensive line. They still have Des Bryant. They still have Tony Romo. Uh, they have a lot of offensive weapons. I don't care who's back there at running back. They're going to probably run the ball still pretty effectively. That offense is going to be good. It'll probably take some pressure off the defense like they did last year. So that Dallas Cowboys and Philadelphia Eagles, as of right now, barring uh, significant injuries to their quarterbacks, are better teams than the New York Giants. That's the reason the panic. Yeah, well, Vegas is telling you that right now. As both of those teams are near the top of the NFC, the Eagles have moved into the top four in all the NFL. Meanwhile, the Giants, at, t- at the taping of this podcast, are at 65-1 to 1 for the Super Bowl. So Vegas is telling you to panic. Vegas is on Jordan's side, and, and they say right now, a panic when it comes to the Giants in the NFC. So, all right, last one. Vegas we'll is to- pretty smart, you know that? Well, Vegas, they yeah, rush. Vegas those is guys- usually not wrong. Yeah, they Those do it for a living. Know what they're doing. Yeah. They, they do it for a living. They know what they're doing out there, uh, and they don't like the Giants right now. One more of these, then we'll bring on Ross Tucker, our special guest, for episode 21 of Talk is Cheap. Jordan, tell us why. You know, we've been talking about this group, the offensive line, all, really, for a year now. A year ago, when I, you know, we started talking, and you, you know, I first came to NJ.com, and you were writing about the Giants. We were talking about the offensive line. Then we start this podcast almost a year later, talking about the offensive line. Why should we panic that it's not going to be much different here heading into this season? Well, Joe, you know why we're talking about the offensive line? Because you look at the offensive line, and there's not one spot where you're 100% sold saying this spot is a – they have no nothing to worry about here. I mean, left guard with Justin Pugh is the closest you have, and he really had a rough game the other night against the Jets. And, you know, Eric Flowers is considered one of their strengths. He's a rookie left tackle. That's a rookie left tackle, and we're considering that one of their strengths. Weston Richburg, we're hoping he's okay, but we still have never seen him play center in the NFL in an NFL game. We've never seen Eric Flowers play in an NFL game. And the right side of the offensive line, that's the biggest reason for concern. John Jerry and Marshall Newhouse right now. Maybe Jeff Schwartz in there. I'm not sure he's uh, blown anyone away with his preseason performances so far. He's trying to get back into shape. So the right side of the offensive line, 13 days before the start of the regular season when this podcast is being taped, there is not a single spot on the offensive line where I can say I'm a hundred, I feel as confident as I can going into a season that that is not going, that position is not going to be a concern and everything will be fine at that spot. James, you got to calm us down here because Jordan's making some good points to Ross Tucker in a few minutes, but why should we feel okay or better about this offensive line? Year, a year ago, it was a problem. Is it going to be better now? <laughs> well, listen, the past two weeks, Eli Manning, for the most part, has, has had time. Uh, I'm not saying it's been perfect by any stretch of the imagination. He's been sacked a couple of times. But it, it has – in Cincinnati, there were, just, there were major breakdowns. There were guys three, four yards deep in the backfield, it seemed, before the ball was even snapped. And I think, you know, as we said, they, they have six guys, you know, who they, they – they seem to have in, in that group, and they seem to think that they're potentially capable of starting. So they, they do have some options. I mean, they're not great options by any stretch of the imagination, but they have some options. They have improved over the past two weeks. So, 
I don't think you can feel really great about it, but at the same time, I don't think you necessarily can wake up and say this is going to be a complete disaster. You hope not, and you know certainly for the Giants, they hope that it becomes a strength at some point, but at least uh, becomes adequate in the meantime. All right, let's go to our special guest for this week's podcast. We had a chance to catch up with Ross Tucker. Does a great job on his own podcast. Does a great job covering the NFL, uh, and of course was in the NFL as an offensive lineman. Uh, for years and was a good player. Ross Tucker joins us now on Talk is Cheap. All right, we're going to bring in a special guest here, Ross Tucker, as we said, a former NFL player, host of the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, which is actually great, great listen. I listen to it pretty much every day on my ride to and from work, whenever, whenever I have the time. It's very informative. He's also can be found on Ross Tucker NFL on Twitter. That's pretty self-explanatory if you can't spell that. Uh, that you're probably a problem. Ross Tucker, T-U-C-K-E-R-N-F-L, uh, at Twitter. So, Ross, what's going on, man? How's, how's everything going? I am doing fantastic. It's hard to believe that the, that the real games are just about here. I mean, life's going fast these days, man. Yeah, I mean, that's a good thing, though. I mean, you can only handle so many preseason games. I mean... You know, we just want to get to the season, especially with this fourth. The fourth preseason game is really the one you, you just you really don't want to watch. You just want to watch maybe maybe a series or two, and then you, you basically can check out. See, I see that, and I love it because I love watching all those young kids try, dying to get that last roster spot or maybe practice <laughs> squad, which I think is like 6600 bucks a week now. So yeah, it's not bad, man. For 17 weeks, so you guys... And, and it's 10 practice squad spots now, so I love watching dudes I've never heard of running around trying to kill each other for that money. Yeah, I mean, what are you going to do for that seven, uh, six-figure contract, you know, for that year? That's pretty... So that's a pretty valuable deal, six figures for that year. I mean, you know, that's, there's a lot on uh, at, at uh, there's a lot on the table for these guys. That's for sure. Yeah, there's no question. So let's talk about the offensive lines. That's something it's your specialty. You're a former offensive lineman. You did in your fantasy feast podcast with Roto World's Evan Silva, another just brilliant football mind. Uh, you guys were talking about. Tiers of teams' offensive lines. And, Ross, you, you do a lot of work on this, I could tell. You're ripping off yards per carry of each line allowed and, uh, you know, the changes that teams have made and why you think each line – so let's say each line is where it is in your grouping. So let's talk about first – here's how you, you grouped them. I think it was one to five, correct, basically? Yeah, there were five tiers, and the, the fourth tier was the biggest tier. The fifth tier is – and this is really going to be a problem for your team. Right. And that happened to be where the Giants came in. Correct? Fifth or fourth? Without question. I mean, you're talking about a team that a year ago averaged 3.6 yards per carry, and they gave up 30 sacks, which doesn't sound like a lot until you look at some of the other years and the, and the, and the small amount of sacks that, that Eli usually takes. And then all that happened since then, Jordan, is the best offensive lineman towards back. Right. You know, so no, no big deal. Well, they also have five players basically playing positions that they did not play for the team last year. And I know you're a big believer on continuity. How much did that play into the equation here with this group? Or was it more on talent, or was it really just a combination of both? Com- combination. 
combination of both, certainly. I mean, you're right. Richburg last year was left guard. Now he's center. Pew was right tackle. Now he's left guard. you got a rookie right now at left tackle. And I just think that the guys on the right side are just below-average NFL players. I mean, I think Jeff Schwartz was above average the year in Kansas City when he was a free agent. He came in and filled in, played very well, and got rewarded with a contract because of that. But I don't know that he's all the way back yet from his lower leg ailments. He missed time already this, you know, this preseason with a foot problem, which was stemming basically from the surgery he had last year. So or it's, it's still the same problem, so that is definitely a reason to be concerned with him. So you know, to hope that he's back at that level, like you said, and then to put him at right tackle, that uh, it's almost unfair to him to put him in that spot, in my opinion, at least. That's a, that's a tough spot to put him in. That's not what he was signed to do. And then you, you know, you if you happen to throw him out there, it's almost out of, you know, sheer desperation than anything else it would seem. Well, and then, you know, I remember being on the sideline for a primetime game last year that Jeff Schwartz started. I can't remember if it was against the Cowboys. It was against the Cowboys. You know why I know that? Because that was the only game he played from start to finish last year. Yeah, well, I was on the sideline for that game, and I can't remember which foot it was, but he, it, it looked like he had a moon boot on that <laughs> foot. I mean, it looked like it was two sizes bigger than his other foot. I don't know what all they had wrapped underneath there or what they did, but, I mean, it looked like he was playing with Shaquille O'Neal's foot. Yeah, you know, it looked like he was playing with Shaquille O'Neal's shoe. <laughs> Size 32. But, yeah, you know, he told me, and retrospect after the you know weeks later that he didn't think he would even be able to make it through that game like he was in that much pain when he was playing that game and that in the first half of that game he thought that there was probably zero chance that he was going to finish that game and he did but then unfortunately suffered an injury the next week and also to his foot and then that was the end of his season lasted six quarters so let's talk about what the Giants do have there what do you is what do they do with Marshall Newhouse can they get by with him as the right tackle I mean, is this something that they can sort of get, sort of scheme their way around against the pass and, and hope and he does a good enough job against the run that they could be okay there? Yeah, it, it's tough to scheme around a, a tackle that much just because the nature of pass protection is those guys should be ideally one-on-one, you know, a decent amount of time. But there's always things you can do. And I see it all the time, Jordan, with teams that draft offensive linemen high and they want to make sure that those guys are successful. You can slide the line to them. So usually, let's just say there's four known rushers, four defensive linemen. The center has to go one way or the other, right? So if the center goes to the left, those guys all have inside help. The center goes to the right, the right guard and right tackle have inside help. So you can certainly slide the line to Newhouse, give him help in that regard. But then you're putting Flowers totally one-on-one on an island every time. And I'm not sure he's ready for that. That's really one of the problems here is they've got issues on both sides. And Flowers have done some good things, but you don't really want to leave those guys isolated. So they're going to have to get creative and maybe slide the line one way, a lot of times it's to the left, and then have, you know, running back, Rashad Jennings, Vereen, whoever, come out and chip for Newhouse. And all that means is they run right off Newhouse's outside hip, and any cut. 
color they see, they run into, they blow up. So as the offensive tackle in Newhouse, you know you can get beat outside. Right. Because in fact, you almost invite the guy to go outside because if he does, then the running back can pop him right in the ribs. So cause you know you have help there. So right. The has, idea there is to just slow him down. You just want to slow yeah, him down. So you, give you Newhouse can, more of a chance. Right, and you can scheme around it, but you're always losing something, right? So if your running back's doing that, he's not getting out in the pattern as quickly. Um, so there's always some negative that's associated with it. You make you bring up a good point, and I've, I've kind of said this often. I mean, the fact that Eric Flowers is a left tackle in the NFL, a rookie left tackle, by, uh, by default... He's going to have his struggles. I mean, you've been in this league. What are some of those things that are going to make it so hard for him to be successful as a rookie left tackle? And then obviously, they're counting on him a lot. He's almost the fact that he's not the big among their biggest concerns and biggest problems is actually pretty scary for the rest of the offensive line. Well, for him in particular. He's going to have some technique issues because watching his college tape, he was often um, off balance and with his hands, with poor placement, his hands outside. My concern with him would be maybe even more so than getting beat. Jordan would just be a, a bunch of holding penalties at this level. He's so mammoth and moves pretty well and is strong that I think he'll be okay. I just think that depending on how the refs call it, he's going to be susceptible to a lot of penalties. I actually saw one against the Jets this past week where I was like, whoa, he kind of got away with one there. That guy kind of beat him around the edge, and he, as he was beating him around, he's, he's been able to use those long arms to push guys past the quarterback a lot, even when he's getting beat off the line. But on this one, he sort of was, you know, did the stranglehold uh, around the guy's, you know, neck, upper, uh, shoulder area. And I think that's sort of what you're talking about there is that he's just losing his guy and he's sort of reaching to uh, make up for the mistakes he's already made. Yeah, and that happens from time to time. And with him, it, it seems to happen a lot, which is one of the things that you noticed on college tape. But it seems like uh, Pat Flaherty's doing a pretty good job with him so far. Yeah, he has been solid, so you got to be positive there. What is your biggest concern about this line? I mean, what is it? Is it the is it the continuity you talked about? Is it any the right side that no, you talked about? No, it's the right about? side. It, it's the right side, George. I mean, the, the right side is just it's not good. I mean, it's it's journeyman, and you're starting the season with the journeyman, right? I mean, John Jerry should be a backup guard. Marshall Newhouse should be a swing tackle. Right. Instead, they're your starters, and that's a problem. Yeah, well, like you said, no, they were signed. No one these guys. They were signed to be in those roles, and now they're asked to play bigger roles. It's almost like the Giants knew they weren't starting players, and now they're forced to start them there because it's all been a trickle-down effect for what you said before is the will be anything. Right, but something happened, and, and you got to live with it, I guess. Then the question is, how good of a decision did you make to bring those guys in, you know, like a new house, as a winning tackle, and then here's where it really gets scary. What if they start to suffer some injuries? Right. I mean, yeah. who are they going with there? I mean, you tell me, if, if Flowers or Newhouse got hurt, who would they put in a tackle right now? 
I, it would either be Jeff Schwartz or rookie Bobby Hart, a seventh-round rookie. Imagine that, starting two rookie offensive tackles in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just hard to imagine a team going into this season with this type of line dilemma and situation. Hard, pretty hard to imagine them, you know, being a playoff caliber team unless, you know, BD comes back sooner than we think. Yeah, I'm not so sure. Mid-October seems to be the earliest that anyone kind of expects him to come back. Well, let's talk about some of the positives, at least, at least in comparison to the rest of the line. Justin Pugh as a guard, you like that, and Weston Richburg as a center. What do you what do you sort of look at from those two guys, and, and what are your expectations for them? Yes, I do. Um, I'm a fan of both those guys in their current positions. I think Pugh was always meant to be a guard. I think Pugh actually had a lot of similarities in college to Zach Martin who excelled last year as a guard and that it probably lacked the raw measurables that you're looking for from a, a starting tackle, but they, they were talented enough and good enough athleticism and technique to still excel at the college level, but still probably because of their body type, best and most ideally suited to be inside. Right. So you see that with Pew, I think he'll be a good fit there. Richburg was a college center. You know, it's tough to take a college center and move the guard. I mean, it just is. I, you know, center's just a totally different ball game. So I think it's a very good thing that they moved, you know, Richburg to center. And I think those guys will end up being fine. Now, I know they've been backed up a little bit, whatever, but I think, I think they'll end up being fine. I'm not really that worried about them. Right, and that's a good thing because they need a couple spots where at least you're not worried about. I mean, look, we talked about the right side and we talked about left tackle. You know, that's three out of five positions that we're worried about when we're talking about the Giants' offensive line. I assume that's why they end up in your, you know, tier five. But does the offense help them out a little bit, at least in the fact of the way that this offense is expected to operate? You know, it's, it's, a, it's one of those West Coast offenses, pretty similar to Green Bay. A lot of guys come in here and they say, hey, this is pretty much the Green Bay offense that they were running with yeah, Mac- I mean, McAdoo. It, it, it's supposed to as long as the quarterback is seeing things and is getting rid of it that quickly. But you can't do that every play. I mean, you have to have some intermediate routes. You have to have some deep routes. Otherwise, your, your route combination, your scheme doesn't work. You know, If they're not worried about you ever having time to throw it deep, they don't need to make sure that they're covered Thank you very much for joining us, 
and we appreciate you breaking down the line. And we'll, we'll speak to you again sometime soon, hopefully with some better uh, reviews to talk about about this Giants team moving forward. There you go. Well, my pleasure, Jordan. Thanks for having me. Anytime, man. Great stuff there from Ross, and obviously always is insightful when it comes to the Giants offensive line. So we appreciate uh, Ross hopping on with us, and uh, we will wrap up episode 21 by taking yeah, some Yeah, Joe, the Ross, let me just say, the Ross Tucker football podcast, definitely worth your listen. I it really, it's in my much, iTunes. Pretty much every day great. on my way home. It really is great. It really, I mean, I, I'm thoroughly engaged every time this, he sits there and talks. He's he got great guests coming in, too. To, to talk about what's going on in the NFL. It's definitely worth your while. Definitely. He's great, and, and I think he's one of those football analysts that makes me think about the game differently. He says things that I, I haven't thought about before. And, you know, a lot of times Very true. you talk about football, you hear the same stuff over and over, but I like when people uh, make you think about it in a different way. So he did that, and we really appreciate him hopping on with us here on Episode 20. All right, guys, we will wrap up this one with – we have some Twitter questions here from our listeners. Uh, they want some answers. Uh, so you guys are the ones to ask. All right, Beezer chimed in, and he said, when will there be some sort of movement on the JPP situation? Jordan, what do you think? I think you'll hear something in the next couple of weeks, uh, of, uh, at least a better idea of what the plan is to sort of get him back in here. So by week one, we'll have a better idea of what either he'll be at the Giants facility or we'll have an idea of approximately how long it's going to be before he's able to get back here and possibly get on the field. So I think we're going to get we're going to get we're getting close. We're getting close. That's a good thing for the Giants because they could use that. They need. Not sure if we're getting close to playing though. We're just getting close to the point of knowing when he's going to play. Right, and then then the process starts from there. You know when when right. At least that's a step forward. You're right. right. And they need that. They need a step forward because you, you take that first step and then I guess everything else will fall after that and we'll have some sort of timeline on that with the defensive line. James, I'll go to you for this one. Joe Pangaro tweeted in asking, Owa Adigizua, which I think I've got it down listening to Bob Hoffman <laughs> the last couple of weeks. Um, Joe says he looks like a player using his eye test. I mean, are we starting to expect something out of him early in the regular season, maybe more than we did at the time of the draft? A kid coming out of UCLA, he wasn't a first-round pick, but I mean, he's showing flashes of a guy that I think should be on the field. What do you think, James, in terms of what we'll get out of him when the regular season starts? Yeah, I definitely think he, he's shown flashes. I thought he played well the other night against the Jets. But as to what we're going to get out of him once the regular season starts, I think that's up in the air. You know, um, I, I think it's, you know, you could see him maybe just be like a pass specialist guy. Um, I, you know, or, but I think the big step for him is if he can prove that he can contain the run and rush the passer, then the Giants can use him. And look, until JPP's back, and even then, we don't know what his what his level of efficiency or ability is going to be. They need as much help as humanly possible on the defensive line, and if Owa can fill that spot for them as a rookie, then they're going to love that. I think what he's going to bring is more against the run than he can against the pass at this point of his career, though. That's what the Giants said at the time of the draft, and that's pretty much what we've seen so far here in the preseason. I've noticed that too, Jordan. He's, he's really good against the run. I mean, the times the Jets were running to his side when I was watching the first half of that game uh, last Saturday, they they weren't really moving him. He was holding his own and, and kind of forcing everything back inside. Yeah, he's got good strength, did a good job protecting the edge for sure. He did. All right, let's go to uh, at Brad is back, 228. He said, can the Giants at least do their homework on ex-Raider safety Dowling? I believe he was one of the cuts for the Raiders this past weekend. Uh, well, Jordan, with this one, Stevie Brown obviously is in the fold now. Do you think the Giants are done trying to upgrade the margins at safety, a guy like Dowling or anyone else, or will they look into it? 
Giants do their due diligence on pretty much everybody. They will look into it. Uh, I'm not sure that they're going to be a serious competitor for this guy. Uh, you know, he had, got released. What they reported, it was non-playing issues, which always, you know, throw up the red flag. And, uh, you know, the Giants have enough issues here right now. I'm not sure they're going to go dip into that. That's never good when a guy gets released at this point for uh, non for off-field kind of issues. All right, guys, we'll end with this one. This one is for me. I want to know this one because I saw on Monday uh, you guys had posts up on NJ.com about Tom Coughlin. He turned 69 years old on Monday. So the question for me, because you guys are around him on basically a daily basis during the season, he is obviously not your typical 69-year-old in terms of energy, in terms of just his personality, all that kind of stuff. So especially Jordan, but also James, just being around him recently here, this, this month uh, starting to cover the Giants, if you didn't know better and you took his appearance out of it, how old does Tom Coughlin come across, just you know, personality-wise, his energy? Jordan? Uh, he still comes off as an old curmudgeon to me. I mean, that maybe that's because he likes to yell at me. Well, he but, does uh, do yeah. that. Yeah. And, he did, and he did call himself a dinosaur last year. That was kind of a giveaway. And every, when, any, every once in a while, he'll get back into when you ask him about the running game, you know, he'll say, I'm old school. But, yeah, personality-wise... Uh, a little bit on the older side, but energy-wise, yeah, he he's certainly doesn't lack for energy, or uh, you know, he doesn't need to go sit down or, or take a rest or anything. I, you never see that from Tom Coughlin. He's actually always on the move. Every minute to him seems like it's the most valuable minute in the world, and he'd rather not waste it talking to the media. But that's another thing. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, yeah, he he definitely comes off as somebody probably more in his fifties. I'll give him. James, have you noticed that energy, too, being around him the last month? And I'm sure you heard about it, you know, all these years with him yeah. in New York coaching the Giants. But have you seen that up close? Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with Jordan. I, I think his personality, you know, if you told me I didn't know his age, you said that guy's 69, I would believe you. But in terms of energy, I would, you know, say, I don't know, 55 maybe. I, I definitely think he has he has the energy of a, of a man, a typical man who's, you know, at least a decade younger than he is. Yeah, I heard. I heard somebody saw him in the team hotel one time on the treadmill recently, and uh, he or he was he was running at a significantly greater pace than men probably half his age, and that uh, I wouldn't want to go and get on and race on a treadmill or race or, or, or compare workouts between me and him anytime soon. You know, I think our listeners might want to watch that though, Jordan. Tom Coughlin against Jordan in a, a race. If I lost to him, that would be really embarrassing. By the way. It'd be great. It'd be funny, though. If, I mean, that would if be... If you lost to a 79-year-old, sorry, 69-year-old man in a race, jeez. Yeah, you couldn't I'm, show your almost, face for a while. I'm almost, I'm almost half his age. All right, good stuff. We'll wrap with that. Tom Coughlin turned 69. The Giants trying to turn around the end of their preseason here before we get to the regular season. Guys, next time we speak, we'll be talking and previewing the first game of the season, the Giants and the Cowboys, September 13th. You guys will be in Dallas, so... Until then, enjoy the week. Uh, hopefully no more injury, you know, bad news on injuries. And hopefully it's good news for the Giants. And, and we'll catch up again next week. James, really appreciate the time. No problem. Thank you, Joe. Jordan, great stuff here. And Sounds we'll talk good, again Joe. next week. Yep. All right, everyone. Wait. Can't wait. The regular season is close. And we'll be here with you on Talk is Cheap all the way through. Remember, find us on iTunes. Find us on Stitcher. You can follow us on Twitter, at James Scratch, at Jordan, R-A-A. NAN on Twitter and at Joe Gilio Sports. Uh, and of course, iTunes and Stitcher. Make sure you're following yeah, I need, us. On, I, need uh, easier, I need an easier name, I guess. I, need, I figured I'd spell it because that way uh, 
make sure everyone finds you and, uh, and follows your great coverage by these guys. And thank you for listening. This has been Episode 21 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast on NJ.com. <laughs>